Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the field of psychology and mental health, with host Gabe Howard and co-host Vincent M. Wales. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Psych Central Show podcast. My name is Gabe Howard, and with me, as always, is Vincent M. Wales. And today, Vin and I will be speaking with Deborah Falzoy about workplace bullying. Vin, do you think I bully you in our workplace? Hmm. We don't really share a workplace, but if we did, I'd probably be the one bullying you. Yeah, I I feel very bullied right now. (laughs) And luckily, we have an expert on the phone with us to teach us how to better get along, spot workplace bullying, and have, I am assuming, a, a more stable and safe work environment. Now, Deborah is the founder of DignityTogether.org, which is a very cool website that Vin and I spend a lot of time on. Deborah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, right out of the gate, let's define workplace bullying, because I imagine that different people probably look at it as different things. I mean, to my mind, the first thing that pops into my head are, you know, literally coworkers hitting each other. And I imagine that that's not what you're talking about, because that would be workplace violence. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll give you the actually sort of textbook definition. It's from the Workplace Bullying Institute, um, and that defines workplace bullying as the repeated health-harming mistreatment of a person by one or more workers that takes the form of verbal abuse, sabotage that prevents work from getting done, or general conduct or behaviors that are threatening, intimidating, or humiliating. So it's not like a bad day at the office that we're talking about. It's generally, unless it's a really egregious episode, it's generally a repeated, often subtle, like pattern of behavior that we're talking about. Some people would call that being competitive, trying to sabotage your coworker. What do you say to those folks? The problem is that it results in harm to the target. So, you know, there is healthy competition, but there's also competition that's bad for the health of the target in terms, you know, it can lead to things like anxiety, depression, PTSD. A lot of targets have even experienced suicidal thoughts. So you have a a target who um, cares about doing a great job and cares about the organization and often bullies. It takes sort of an opposite worldview. They're, They're concerned more about their own image. They're concerned about um, looking good to other people. They're, they're, con- they're concerned more of, with the politics and sort of a competitive nature that really doesn't do much good for the organization. Well, yeah, I think that's probably a real big key to this, that that kind of, if you're sabotaging your coworker for your own gain, ultimately you're sabotaging the business. And that's a, probably a pretty good reason that businesses should care about workplace bullying a lot because it's not good for the health of their organizations. Right. I mean, a lot of businesses see turnover and absenteeism, um, what what we call presenteeism. So if someone's at the job, but just really not doing much of their job, that's a problem. And of course, turnover results in higher training costs. They see higher healthcare costs as a result of the high turnover. So, you know, it's a problem for numerous reasons for organizations you know, just lowering their productivity in general is mm-hmm. a problem from bullying because people are concentrating on the bullying rather than feeling inspired or being able to innovate as a result of feeling healthy and supported and 
working collaboratively with other people. Yeah, they're not getting their work done. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You know, the irony that strikes me about all of this, though, is that based on my own past experiences at some of the workplaces I had when I was younger, a lot of the workplace bullying comes from the top down. I mean, it's like some some managers, they run their places like their own little fiefdoms and they're, they're just they're in charge. They are the boss and anything else is to be belittled. Yeah, so that's a big part of it. A lot of people who get bullied at work, actually, it's not limited to just their area generally. I mean, especially once they report it to HR or a higher up, there will be no system in place to actually deal with it. So most often, the actual whole entire culture of the organization will be toxic. There's usually either a dictator at the top or it's a very unstructured environment, as opposed to a healthy environment where there's a clear vision, there are clear roles, you know, and there's a, a direct line of process that a target should take once they've been bullied that shows people we won't accept this and this isn't how we want to conduct business. So yeah, commonly when somebody gets bullied, it's the whole whole work culture mm-hmm. at their organization that's the problem and not just their small department. So when you say target, Mm-hmm. I know that most likely you're, you're speaking of an individual who is being targeted by another individual. Sometimes, though, I, I think the target, as, as just we've been talking about, the targets can be like an entire department. Yes, oftentimes bullying will turn into what we call mobbing. So the bully will start to target one individual and then they'll get other people against that person. So all of a sudden you have like a bunch of people against you instead of just the original bully or, you know, it can be a group of people that get bullied. But in general, bullying can turn into mobbing and the the target can end up feeling isolated. And that's where a lot of the health harm comes in of, of just not knowing where to turn to their friends and family sort of feel exhausted from hearing about it and not knowing what advice to give them. And then, you know, it it can harm marriages and parent and child relationships because the whole situation just ends up consuming the target. I think that pretty much everybody in America has had a job that they hated for some reason or another. So I imagine that being the, the target of workplace bullying would make you dislike your job. So I think that a lot of our listeners can understand not liking their job. So Is this like that? I mean, it would make somebody not want to go to work. And we spend a lot of time at work and we spend a lot of time preparing for work. So this is a real big deal. So the question that I have to ask is, what can somebody do about it? If you realize that you're a target of workplace bullying, what's the solution? So right now, workplace bullying is not illegal anywhere in this country. Um, There's actually one pocket in Tennessee where if you're a public employee, you can have legal recourse, but otherwise there are no protections. So the best thing that people can do in the short term is sort of detach themselves from what's going on. They, they need to get to a place of understanding that they're not the problem, that this is a problem with the bully, with feeling threatened by the competence of the target. So if they can detach from the bully's thinking and the job itself really they can get to a better place mentally. And then long-term, 
if they think strategically about, you know, where they want to be, what environment they want to be in, what industry they want to be in, just concentrate on themselves and their own health, because that's what can deteriorate so quickly and without the target realizing quite often. In the long term, the target wants to focus on what's best for themselves, getting out of the job and that whole toxic work environment completely. There are exceptions, of course. If you see signs that it's a healthy work environment, then you might actually have success reporting the the bullying to a higher up or to HR. But really, the person wants to focus on what they can do to detach from the situation in the short term and then how they can focus on themselves in the long term. Is there any sort of pattern, for example, of, of bullying? Is there some common theme to it? There is. So initially, a lot of what we see is a very competent or very ethical target and a bully who is less ethical and less competent. And the bully will start to reprimand that better than average target for things that the target would perceive to be different. So essentially the bully just starts to put down the target a lot and break down their self-esteem and they convince the target that they're actually incompetent. And then others begin to buy into this belief also. Um, So you know, if it once it gets bad enough, the bully um, will drive the target to go report the problem to either HR or a higher up. And then often the bully will start to retaliate so that the tactics can get so outrageous that a lot of people won't believe the target. Um, and then, like I said before, friends and family will start to tire of, of hearing about it. So then it leaves the target alone. They feel really isolated. They don't necessarily know other people who've been targeted or if they feel shamed in talking about it. So they feel, you know, increasingly vulnerable to even suicidal thoughts. They just don't, they just feel trapped. They don't know where to turn to. And it's sort of like a textbook pattern that we see with a lot of workplace bullying situations. Now, what you're describing sounds a lot like gaslighting. I mean, we hear about that in relationships all the time, especially, you know, bad, obviously toxic relationships, domestic violence relationships, where they separate the person from the other one and convince them that they're, you know, crazy, bad, wrong, et cetera. Is it, is that it? It's just, it just happens to happen in a workplace instead of in your personal life? Yeah, we actually compare this situation a lot to domestic violence issues. So that same exact, Um, you know, breaking down self-esteem, it can happen subtly over time. And then the person feeling isolated, the bully can actually often isolate the target from friends and family. And yeah, we see that pattern a lot and we compare it a lot to, to domestic violence. Before we continue, let's hear a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Secure, convenient, and affordable online counseling. All counselors are licensed, accredited professionals. Anything you share is confidential. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist whenever you feel it's needed. A month of online therapy often costs less than a single traditional face-to-face session. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central and experience seven days of free therapy to see if online counseling is right for you. BetterHelp.com forward slash Psych Central. 
Welcome back. We're here with Deborah Falzoy talking about workplace bullying. I'm sure that there are instances where a person may feel like they're being bullied at work, but they're really not. Can you speak on that a little bit? Well, there are specific tactics that we outline. So uh, like false accusations, sabotage, withholding of, of resources, put downs, exclusion, unreasonable work demands. It, it really is sort of up to the target. That the, the point is that the behavior from the bully has to be malicious and intentional. So it is possible someone could feel disrespected and devalued without the bully actually, you know, contributing to that. It could be on the side of the target. Um, but very often, I mean, we look to the actual behaviors to determine you know, whether it's bullying or not. So, you know, often if someone's feeling disrespected or disempowered or dismissed, then they probably are being bullied, but there, there could be chances where they're being triggered by something mm-hmm. that's not bullying. Um, but, but so, yeah, we, we specifically would look at the, the bullying behaviors to determine what's happening. One example I have maybe is uh, a particular policy that's being enforced. um, But according to the target, it's being enforced selectively. Like they were disciplined for something, but so-and-so wasn't for pretty much the exact same thing. Yeah. And I would actually say that that is bullying. I mean, when you have a a situation where someone's being favored and the, the rules aren't being enforced across the board, that's, it's not healthy. It's not, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're, 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 handpicking somebody out to treat them differently and unfairly. So you're, you're basically excluding somebody. So I would say in that instance, I mean, a lot of it depends on whether the target is actually exhibiting like health harming hmm. or, or having their health being harmed. Okay. Um, it's possible that someone could be excluded and not really be bothered by it, but, or notice it. So it is, it is a lot in how the target is interpreting it. I think one of the things that's interesting about this conversation right here, the specific conversation, is that it is about somebody's interpretation. But if you have a workplace policy that is open to the discussion about whether or not bullying is taking place, you will probably arrive at the correct answer faster. So if it is a misunderstanding or, you know, we, we did punish you, but we also punished that other person, we just didn't announce it, etc., if the workplace is open to clearing up those misunderstandings, that would probably go a long way to resolving a lot of problems that happen in the workplace and, and therefore address that person's, the potential targets, you know, mental health or concerns, et cetera. I think in a, in a very bullying workplace, everybody has to, you know, keep their complaints to themselves. And that fosters a lot of, you know, murmurs and rumors and, they never actually get addressed. Is that a fair statement? Is being open and honest about the potential actually very, very helpful, even if the person is mistaken? Yeah, I would say that the healthier the work environment, the more the higher-ups care about their subordinates as humans, and they're having those conversations of, of addressing needs of their employees, and they're having those conversations regularly. So while you could have an employee that feels like they're being excluded because they just don't know about a confidential issue with another employee because 
they shouldn't actually know about it. You know, if they knew that their boss had their best interests in mind, then that might them respond differently and not interpret the way that they're being treated as exclusion. So yeah, the, the culture definitely is the most important piece of all of this in, in terms of creating an environment where someone could be bullied or not be bullied in the first place. So Deb, how widespread is workplace bullying? Do we have any statistics on that? There are statistics that we've seen it as low as about one in three people will either experience it or witness it in their lifetimes. And that's gone up to, you know, as many as four out of five. So generally it's about half of workers who either experience bullying or just witness it on the job. But those actual bystanders can also experience some of the same symptoms as someone who's being targeted so they can have as many of the health harming effects just by witnessing what's going on. This next question that I want to ask really has more to do with the political climate of our nation. But one of the things that makes the news a lot is that everybody is just, you know, offended too easily and everybody's a whiner and everybody's a baby and nothing bad is happening and toughen up. And I, I'm the first person to acknowledge that that is just complete malarkey. Decorum is an important thing to have in the workplace and in our society and, of course, in the political realm as well. But to be fair, what would you say to somebody that's just like, look, this person is just oversensitive. What are some words that you could use to allow them to understand that the target in this case is not just being oversensitive. You are an accidental bully because I imagine that some of the bullies aren't doing it on purpose. Um, and I'm just using bully for, you know, the purpose of this conversation. I'm, I'm not trying to offend anyone. So I would say that if the term overly sensitive is being brought into the picture or something like that, then it's time to look at the behaviors of the bully and either sit down and talk with them about what they're doing if, if they're not aware. Whenever we use the term overly sensitive, the opposite side of that is that the the person using that term can be insensitive. So if we look at what their what behaviors that they're using, we can actually address those. We can have somebody in HR or a higher up step in and look at what behaviors are happening that are contributing to a, a toxic work environment. So I think I think terms like overly sensitive are often used to dismiss rude behavior. Um, you know, sometimes somebody truly is extremely sensitive, but I also think that if if the boss is aware of that, then they can change their behavior to adapt to their needs of, of their subordinates. So yeah, I think anytime we're using those terms, we have to look at the the behavior that's going on and there needs to be some self-reflection and self-awareness. They do sound like very dismissive terms, right? I mean, just, oh, you're oversensitive, you're whining too much, let it go, you're too high strung. I mean, it really does sound like you're dismissing the person's feelings by claiming that they have some other problem. Right. And I think that's a, a gaslighting tactic, actually, or crazy making. It's used to make the target think that they're the problem and not the bullying behavior. Yeah, it's just basically used to dismiss 
the behavior of the bully and to not have the target realize that the bullying behavior is the problem. So the target will spend a lot of time questioning themselves and, and asking, am I the problem here? And let that go on so long that it gets to the point where their health is harmed and they realize, oh, I'm not the problem. And they, they start to do something about it. One of the things that you mentioned earlier that I'd like to come back to is the subject of retaliation in the workplace. Mm-hmm. I've seen many times people experience something that whether it's bullying or not, I couldn't say, but it just doesn't seem to be fair. And whenever it is suggested to these people that they should take it up with human resources or with their supervisor or what have you, they refuse because they are afraid of there being some sort of retaliation against them. I don't think that that qualifies as bullying necessarily, but I mean, I suppose a culture in the workplace could lead someone to believe that there would be retaliation even without, you know, solid evidence of that. But I think maybe people who have experienced workplace inequities uh, for a long period of time could just, in a way, sort of be bullying themselves. Uh, it's, it's a weird way to put it, but they, they've worked themselves into this mentality where they're just afraid for no reason. I think that fear of retaliation is valid. We see a lot of cases where someone reports the bullying and it, it's very common for employers to just look the other way and not address it because it's easier to do that. And they also, by admitting that they've allowed something to happen, it opens them up for liability. So having having a fear of retaliation for speaking up is very valid and real, just simply because when a lot of people do speak up, they do get retaliated against. They The bullying gets worse once they speak up. So and even with the Me Too movement, we've seen that a lot of people, even when something is illegal, they don't speak up about it for fear of you know, jeopardizing their careers or not being believed. So those are very common with workplace bullying too. It's I personally see sexual harassment, even though legally it's not the same as workplace bullying. It's a form of workplace bullying. It's a form of abusive power. So the way that sexual harassment works is very similar to the way that workplace bullying works in terms of speaking up and fear of speaking up and getting retaliated again. Deborah, thank you so much for this information. It's there really is a, a lot to unwrap here, and, and and again, I really do go back to how much time we as a culture spend at work, and how much time we spend talking about work. I mean, you're right. I I go to work eight hours a day. Uh, I spend two hours a day commuting to work. I spend an hour a day getting ready to work. And if I'm really honest with myself, I spend another couple hours a day talking about work when it's over, telling my wife how my day was, you know, speaking with my friends about, you know, idiot coworker number one, and not in a workplace bullying, just in a blowing off steam, you know, the this person, you know, just whatever. I mean, we just, we vent about things to feel better. And the way that we treat the people around us and the way that we are treated is going to impact our mental health in, in a very, very large way. So the question that I have is, what's being done nationally to address this issue? You said that half of employees feel that they have been bullied. That's that's a big, big number. So what's the, what's the solution? Well, 
My background has actually been in working on legislation in Massachusetts to make severe cases of workplace bullying illegal. In fact, about 32 legislatures nationwide have uh, introduced the what we call the Healthy Workplace Bill. And I think one of the challenges with getting this to pass is that workplace bullying is not a household term. People feel shamed in even admitting to themselves that they have been bullied at work. So we haven't really hit a tipping point in discussing it as a culture, but I think that is the solution. I think that once we make something illegal, of course, it's not going to get rid of every situation of it happening, but it's going to move the needle culturally on saying whether something is acceptable or not. And then, of, of course, if something's illegal, it will lead to training in workplaces and it will hopefully make workplaces healthier and make a bully think twice before they bully a target. So our final question is where can people get more information? Where can they go? Uh, I know we mentioned your website at the top of the show, but give it to us again. Sure. It's dignitytogether.org and they can get information if they are a target on what to do and what not to do when they're getting bullied at work on the legislative side it's not my website, but it's healthyworkplacebill.org to find out what's going on in your state to pass legislation. Deborah, thank you for agreeing to be on the show. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And remember, you can get one week of free, convenient, affordable, private online counseling anytime, anywhere by visiting betterhelp.com slash psychcentral. We will see everybody next week. Thank you for listening to The Psych Central Show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you found this podcast. We encourage you to share our show on social media and with friends and family. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com show. Psychcentral.com is the internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. Psych Central is overseen by Dr. John Grohall, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is an award-winning writer and speaker who travels nationally. You can find more information on Gabe at GabeHoward.com. Our co-host, Vincent M. Wales, is a trained suicide prevention crisis counselor and author of several award-winning speculative fiction novels. You can learn more about Vincent at VincentMWales.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email TalkBack at PsychCentral.com. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.